Good morning and welcome to the broadcast of Faith Mountain Ministries. And here we are. It's 2022. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Get your Bibles out. We're going to go to the book of Daniel one more time. And we're going to jump to some other places in the scripture and talk today about finding wells of refreshing. If you felt like the last two years have probably taken a toll in terms of fatigue spiritually and, and just with a sense of uncertainty, people have a tendency to partner with fear. It becomes very easy to do that, even if you've been a strong person of faith. Today, I want to talk to you about what God has prepared for you and I in terms of refreshing. There are literally in the spirit wells of refreshing that are available and they're not far away. Welcome to the broadcast of Faith Mountain Ministries. My name is Bill Vanderbush. I'll be right back. What is quantum preaching? Bill Vanderbush wants to help you discover and develop your voice. Quantum preaching is a supernatural ability to connect with people where the revelation that's making your heart come alive becomes the very revelation that makes the listener's heart come alive. The future belongs to the storyteller and the power of the story is the layers of revelation it contains. In this course, you will learn to become a master storyteller, no matter what age or background of the audience you are speaking to. Quantum Preaching is a 30-day video on-demand course that you can do at your very own pace. Each video contains unique insights that will challenge you to become a better communicator. You'll get access to Bill's Sermon Vault, access to the Quantum Preaching Facebook group, influential interviews, revelation and preaching insights, and more. Go to quantumpreaching.com for more information. As we begin this new year, people often want to know, what is God saying for this new year? I want to say that in the scriptures, most of the time, when God gave people a word, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, he was giving them words that wouldn't be fulfilled not in the next year, but hundreds, in some cases, hundreds of years into the future. Nowadays, we're a very microwavable generation, so if it doesn't pertain to our own life, we seem to not just not have much interest in it at all. And so uh, unless a prophetic word's going to be fulfilled in the next week, I think we, we kind of shun it or figure, well, we just put that off into some other, some other time. We're just not really interested in that. We want to know what's about to happen in the immediate future as it pertains to specifically affecting our life. Now, in the Bible, when people got prophetic words, uh, most of the time you didn't get a lot of commentary from anybody in Scripture as to how those words were going to be fulfilled, which is really interesting because that seems to be our personal obsession, especially as Americans today. In this day, we look at prophetic words and then we spend a lot of time writing books guessing as to how those words will be fulfilled. It's not the way that it worked in the Bible. It didn't seem that we were ever meant to have a ministry of guessing about how prophetic words would be fulfilled, just simply believing in the promise of God. And and then when the word got fulfilled, we would know it. Keeping uh, aware of the prophetic words uh, was what we were really supposed to do, not guess about their fulfillment. You can actually see this in Daniel chapter 9. The, the message I preached last week talks about this quite a bit, where Daniel gets a word uh, from God when he reads in Jeremiah that Israel's going to go into captivity in Babylon to be for 70 years, and Daniel realizes, man, we're right, we're right in that right now. And instead of guessing as to how that word is ultimately going to get fulfilled and how that's all going to look, Daniel goes into praying into the will of God. And that's what I want to encourage you in this next year. So when you hear a prophetic word from God, 
an authentic prophetic word will sometimes seem a little foggy. Uh, it, it'll sometimes seem a little bit of, uh, uh, and nothing nothing clear about specific times or dates. Um, there may be specific things that that are are told that will happen, but here's the deal: rather than guessing about how those things will be fulfilled and obsessing about those things, what we ought to be doing is praying into the will of God and asking God to direct our heart to be responsive in the right way. I think most of the time, it, it seems like uh, when I when I hear people talk prophetically about the days ahead, they're more interested in guessing about the future about what the Holy Spirit's going to do in the days ahead as opposed to letting the Holy Spirit move in them and use them in the moment they're standing in right now. Now, the prophetic, I want to just get you to understand this, and this is so vital. The prophetic is so important in every moment of, of our lives because what the prophetic does is it reveals to us the way that God sees instead of the way that we see. It shifts our perspective to align with his. And when you think about the prophetic, most of the time, I think we we think about somebody hearing like a now word from God, revealing God's heart for the moment that we're standing in. And this is, I, I would say, it, it is legitimate. It's a great way to receive direction and comfort from the Lord. And prophets often did that with people that came to them for a word. Naaman the leper, he gets a word from the prophet about what he's specifically supposed to do in in order to receive his healing. That's a that's a now word for a specific individual for an appointed time, and that person can listen to the word or not listen to the word. It's a prophetic directive, not not an absolute "this is going to happen" kind of a word. Prophetic direction is not predicting the future; it's just receiving direction and comfort from the heart of God. Prophetic words also uh, occur as God whispers to our heart about the things that that really touch us in the deepest place, the things we care about the most. And when I see the prophetic happen like that, it becomes very personal, where it seems like the Father is speaking to you directly. And in that moment, it's usually confirming what he's already spoken to you. It's what prophets, I think, do for the body of Christ, is they confirm what God has already been speaking to our heart. They're not supposed to be the mediators between God and man, because you have access to the exact same Holy Spirit that every prophet has. Except I believe that when we take the responsibility to hear from God, the prophets become a a ministry to us to confirm what God has already spoken to our heart and, and perhaps bring clarity. And this is the way God works because he desires for us to have communion with one another as we have relationship with him. As any good father, he loves to speak to his children and hear our voice as well. Uh, like Like John, uh, in the Gospels that said he knew what it was like to be to be close to the Lord and to hear his heartbeat for your own life. You can read in John chapter 13, uh, verse 25, and John chapter 21, verse 10, for some insight into that. I would say that John is probably one of the best examples for this because he was a man uh, who heard God speak. And, and he heard him speak in one of the most remote and one of the strangest places and it's while that John was on the Isle of Patmos, he would receive, in a season, a time of isolation, he would receive a word from God. And this word was something that was going to be given to the entire body of Christ. Stop and think about that. God didn't pick a messenger 
who was in the middle of a crowd who had a, who had the biggest audience. No, you wait until John was literally in a place of isolation in the secret place, and there he could bring John into an experience in the spirit where God would actually reveal a word to the churches. Think about that, how God gave a global word that would impact the entire body of Christ to a person imprisoned in isolation. The prophetic has a way of opening our eyes to see the purposes of God. And sometimes those purposes make no sense in the season that we're standing in. For example, uh, in the Old Testament, God spoke to Abram and Sarah that they would have a promised son. And in the natural, right where they were in that moment, it seemed impossible because they were old. Before even there was a possibility that this could happen. God spoke the prophetic word. And in that, he gave Abram a new name. He declared that Abram we call Abraham, which means the father of many nations, even though at that time he had no children. Logic and reason would say, bring about the promise and then give him a name to match the promise. But that's not the way God works. God gave him a name that didn't fit with his current circumstance. Often, what the prophetic word of the Lord will do is it will cause your perspective of your identity to shift. And when your perspective of your identity begins to shift, then you begin to act out the truth of who God says you are. God told Abraham that he was the father of many nations before he ever had a child. The promise of God sometimes goes beyond logic and reason according to human standards. A true prophetic word from the Lord will bring hope in the middle of a hopeless situation. And what it does is it ends up painting a different picture of our future according to how heaven sees our identity. The Apostle Paul spoke about this in Romans chapter 4, where he talked about what God said over Abraham, saying, I will make you the father of many nations. In verse 17, there's a really interesting verse there that's been grabbed a hold of misunderstood, I believe. Paul says there, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. I'll give another translation of it. God who calls those things which do not exist as if they did. Now, as a believer, as a Christian, you got to catch a hold of the language of heaven to learn a little bit about how God sees and how God speaks. And in this day, People take a look at that verse, and, and then they start calling things that don't exist as if they did. And this is really an important thing because you start like declaring some new car or new house when you don't have it, and it's really not even the will of God for your life in that moment because God knows what will make and break you. And what ends up happening is when we call those things that don't exist as if they did, and they're not in accordance with the plan and the purpose of God for our life in that moment, that season... Perhaps maybe it's the right word, but the wrong time, you end up disappointed, disillusioned, and you feel like God has broken his promise to you. You wonder why God let you down. Here's the reality. God didn't let you down. The problem was that you called out things you wanted instead of things that God wanted. And, and when you read the scripture in the context in which it was written, you see God making a declaration here. It's not giving you some legal document to go out and like name and claim everything you want. He's the one that's speaking prophetically. And Abraham caught a hold of the word and came into alignment to agree with it. So it's not us that's calling out for the things that we want, but it's us simply finding out what God's heart is and aligning our heart with his promise. 
right? Now, God, I know, has given us tremendous freedom, but you and I don't have, I believe, the capacity to trust in our own desires to the point where we can sever ourselves from a relationship with God and start using the Scripture as a legal document to fulfill our own desires. But we can have confidence that the promises that God has declared and spoken over us absolutely will come to pass. Let me see if I can find maybe a different way to say it. When God interacted with Abram and Sarah, they were living a natural reality. God is living a supernatural reality. And God spoke to them, not on the basis of their natural reality, but on the basis of his supernatural perspective that can see the end from the beginning. When he revealed to them what the perspective of heaven over their lives was, they had a choice to either align with everything that made sense in their natural reality or to align their lives with the promises of God. Abram does in that moment something that I think we find ourselves really tempted to do, and that is to think that, well, I need to help God out in the natural so that the supernatural will of God will be done. So Sarah comes up with this idea um, to, to take Hagar, who is young enough to bear a child, and, and bear a child with her, Abraham. And so Abraham goes ahead and does that. And that's where you get Ishmael. And Ishmael comes to represent uh, our own efforts to try to fulfill the word of the Lord. Now, when God speaks a word over our lives, it's not that we're just supposed to sit on it and do absolutely nothing. No, you're supposed to take action in accordance with his will. He told Abraham he'd be the father of many nations. Abraham had a wife, Sarah. Abraham was dead to having children, and so was Sarah. The promise of God must come about supernaturally with the tools God has given you in the moment. You don't have to start going out and trying to invent new ways to bring about the word of God in your life. God will bring ideas. If he brings an idea to your heart, that's one thing. But when it comes up to us to try to come up with our own ideas and our own agenda, our own plans to fulfill the word of the Lord, we step into dangerous territory. Because if God gives a word, but it's our idea that ultimately brings the word about, then who takes the credit? God may have given the promise and given the roadmap, but you and I then take the credit for actually having come up with the idea to help God out to fulfill his word. Ultimately, a true word from God requires our involvement, but our involvement will not be in a way that can actually build our own pride, our ego, our arrogance. We have to know when it's all said and done, we have to know even though we were a participant in the prophetic word, we were not the ones that brought it about by our actions or by our ideas. God will continually lead us to doors that it seems that are closed and we, in our own efforts, try to open them up. And if we could kick them open in some way, then we would end up creating an Ishmael that ultimately creates conflict between the natural world and the spiritual world. If Abraham had just submitted to, to listen to God and said to Sarah, look, even though we're old and past our years, let's just, let's just live as though the promise of God is true, then what would have happened? The same thing that did eventually happen, and that is that Isaac came to be born. They didn't have to introduce their own efforts and their own ideas into the mix apart from what they already had in the relationship that they were in. And this is really important, I think, to understand. And that is that in our lives, God will bring prophetic insight and then 
see what we do with that. Are we going to try to introduce our own ideas and efforts to help the word of the Lord out? Or are we going to simply watch and see what the Lord brings into our lives and invites us to step into? If there is an idea to be had, it must be a God idea, not an us idea to try to fulfill the word of the Lord. Last week when we were in in Daniel chapter 9, you notice at that point in time, Daniel's about 86 years old, and he's been in exile from the land of Israel for most of his life. And there is so much wisdom in Daniel in that moment. He has godly character, and he has incredible insight in the prophetic, just because all of the experiences he had with God just honed that place. But he still freaks out every time an angel shows up, which is interesting. So there's still inside of Daniel, though, there's this burning desire to see Israel restored. And even though he had read the prophet Jeremiah and he knew the word of the Lord over the people, he still prays into the word of the Lord. He still prays into the will of God. What is he doing? He is looking for ways to participate with what God is doing. And in the middle of it all, he sees the people continuing to transgress and sin, and he asks for favor. He asks God's ears to be open to their cries. He asks God to take action on their behalf. Then in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12, there's a really interesting insight as he has another encounter with an angel. And this is the most terrifying one he's had yet. And this is what the angel says to Daniel in verse 12. It says, Do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have, be, I have come because of those words. When somebody asked me recently, what do you feel is the word for 2022? I don't feel like this is just the word for 2022. I believe this is a call back to a heart posture that the church needs to maintain in every generation. Not for the purpose of getting God to respond to our prayers, but because it's supposed to be the posture of our heart in prayer to God, whether he responds the way we want him to or not. I want you to see what the angel says here. This is a key in answered prayer. It says, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. To set your heart to understand is to place yourself in the posture of a student receiving from God. It's basically humbly saying, I don't have all the answers, and I'm learning to ask the right questions. To set your heart to understand is seeking not first to be understood. Everybody these days wants to be heard. But this is saying, be a good listener and open your ears to the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. They know the sound of the voice of the Lord. And if they know the voice of the Lord, it means they've spent time listening to that voice. You know the songs that you know by heart? You didn't just hear them once. You have to hear a song, a three-minute song. You have to hear that song at least seven times in order to be able to go back and, and get it into your system where you can actually retain and remember it. You have to hear that song actually more than that in order to retain it for a long period of time to create a neurological pathway to where your mind is renewed and that song is ingrained in you. 
That's why the repetition of what we see and what we hear is is so important when you continually open your eyes and open your ears to junk. You'll find that the pathways you create in your heart begin to be barriers to the prophetic word of God in your life. But if you're constantly, no matter what you're seeing and what you're hearing, you're constantly, listen, I know we're bombarded by all kinds of messages all around us. And when you become accustomed to just listening for the voice of the Lord, it won't be the messages that shape you, but it will be the way that your ears are tuned to hear. Daniel was in the middle of an evil empire in Babylon. He was surrounded by evil people. I'm sure that they were constantly speaking curses. I'm sure they were constantly talking about things that were consistently uh, contrary to the values of heaven. But what was Daniel's heart and his ears tuned toward? to the voice of the Lord. And even in the middle of Babylon and all that was going on around Daniel at the time, which which rivaled the evil that we see in our world today, Daniel could still maintain uh, an ear open to hear the voice of the Lord. Didn't have everything to do anything to do with closing everything else out. Daniel did not have that as an option. What he did is he maintained a conscious awareness, constant conscious awareness of the presence of the Lord. And what happened? Daniel was able to actually uh, uh, discern and get wisdom and insight in the middle of what he was in. You're not going to gain wisdom by just closing out everything that's going on around you and isolating yourself. Listen, if that was the case, monks would be the most powerful and holy people on earth. What God is drawing us to do is stay conscious and aware of his voice in the middle of wherever you happen to be. This is the only way you can be light in the darkness. You don't become light by removing yourself from the darkness entirely. You learn to be light right in the middle of wherever you happen to be. It doesn't matter if it's in a worship service praising God or it's in the middle of one of the darkest places on earth. You can be light in the middle of the darkness when you stay conscious and aware of the voice of the Lord. So Daniel didn't know uh, in that moment when God was going to bring about the ultimate restoration of his people as was promised in Jeremiah. What Daniel did in that moment is he set his heart to understand. When you don't know something, you have to position yourself to hear from God and be willing to wait as long as it takes to get understanding. And in that moment, Daniel set himself to understand. He devoted himself to praying and fasting. Prior to this vision, he prayed and fasted for three weeks, and it was sort of on the calendar to do. It's the first month of the year in the Jewish calendar, which is Rosh Hashanah leading up to the Feast of Tabernacles, and it was a thing that the Jews would observe. But in that moment, the, the Jews didn't have any reason to continue to observe it because the temple was gone. The entire worship structure had been dismantled, except Daniel purposed that he understood that it's not about the temple and it's not about uh, whether or not the sacrificial system is even in place. This is my heart posture before God, and this is what I do. I observe these things. Why? Because it's simply devotion to the Lord. He wasn't doing it out of religious duty. This was just who he was. And what he was seeing into was a future time period when he would understand what we now know, and that is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, Daniel understood that God absolutely loves to reveal his mysteries and his plans to people who surrender their hearts to understand. And there's times that God gives us some wisdom, revelation, and, and even on top of that, some really detailed information. And then there are times where God is looking for us to really seek after him for, for more, 
more understanding, more wisdom, more revelation. Sometimes it'll just drop like a like rain from the sky. And sometimes you have to dig through the crusty ground that you're standing on to find a well that's just beneath your feet. I think a key word here is when it says Daniel set his heart to understand, which means that's his spirit, his inner man. And he knew that he wouldn't be able to catch or understand what God was saying if it was just through intellect or logic. It wasn't the natural man who would be able to perceive the supernatural activity of God. He would have to begin to learn to think with the spirit. So Daniel set his heart to understand. I just think that's really a beautiful word there. See, what God did in that moment then is he sent an angel to reveal what was going on. And this revelation came as a response to the posture of Daniel's heart. Now, how many of you know that Daniel was refreshed as a result of this? And in every season of life, especially in this next year, we need to receive times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. In Genesis 26, there's a beautiful story of when Isaac, the son of Abraham, trusted God and he sowed a seed in a natural season of famine. But supernaturally, a season came about where he saw increase. His obedience to do what didn't seem logical ultimately brought about a time of blessing. But then what happened is that Isaac actually went to dig out wells that would ultimately bring refreshing in his life. He starts to prosper, and the Philistines, they were envious of the favor of God in his life. So they filled the wells that his father Abraham had dug with earth, just filled them up as if they were never there. In the Old Testament time, if you controlled the well, you had authority in the land. And I think what the devil is always looking to do is to control the times and places of refreshing in our lives, blocking our ability to draw refreshing uh, out of the wells that God has for us. Just as a natural well was a part of Isaac's everyday life, so spiritual wells and the Holy Spirit are all around us in the lives of people that speak the word of God and in a way that brings refreshing and encouragement to our heart. For Isaac to take back the land that belonged to his father Abraham, he had to go back and and revisit and redig the original wells that his father had dug. And the first well that Isaac found was called Essek, which means quarrel in Genesis chapter 26 and verse 20. For the people of the land had actually fought with Isaac's herdmen over its ownership. They didn't want to give it up. The next well was called Sitnar, which means enmity. And the names of these two wells are very important because they become known by the conflict that was fought in order to possess these things. And so what Isaac ends up having to do is he has to deal with the issue of quarreling and the issue of people that make themselves enemies of you. Uh, these, These points of refreshing in our lives, places that used to be refreshing perhaps have become places of conflict. Maybe you used to attend a church and, and, and it was a well of refreshing for you, but so much conflict arose that it's become known as a place of quarreling and as a place where you actually have enemies. And to go back and redig those wells is to realize that you don't have to give anybody permission to be your enemy. Go back to the places of refreshing that used to refresh you in the past and you'll find that the water is still fresh. It's been stopped up and perhaps quarreling and enmity is what it's known for. But if you'll Find those places of refreshing once again, you'll realize they don't have to be defined by conflict. The next well that he unstopped is called Rehoboth, which means spacious in verse 22. 
And as he continues to pursue unstopping the wells, the Bible says the Lord made room for him. God stepped in and began to give him favor, pushed back the enemy, and expanded his territory. The next well, and it's such an important one, is a well that was not dug by Abraham. It's one that Isaac himself digs for the very first time. It has no name. So what does it stand for? It means that Isaac was doing a new thing. He dug this well in Beersheba, and in the same area, Isaac also built an altar to the Lord, which speaks of worship, prayer, and honor to God. We can be refreshed by the wells that have gone before us, but every generation has to give their own worship, their own place of communion, their own place of honor to the Lord. That'd be my word for you for this year. So dig some wells of refreshing in your life. Find some old wells that have been stopped up and revisit those and dig some new ones. God wants to do a new thing in our day and in our generation. So Father, I thank you for times of refreshing that come from your presence. I thank you, Lord, for, for hearts that have set themselves to understand and walk humbly before you. Lord, may you pour out wisdom, insight, and revelation on us in this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as always, you can send for this broadcast and support this ministry simply by writing to Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. The address, once again, is Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. You can support the uh, broadcast as well by going to VanderbushMinistries.com. There's a Give button there, and through Givelify, you can actually support this ministry instantly online. You can also go to BillVanderbush.com, and there's a similar page there as well. Check out the schedule, see where we're going to be, and if we're going to be in your area, please come out and join us. Listen, we believe this year is going to be a year of refreshing for all of us, and I, I believe that, that God has good things in store if we'll open our eyes and just see it. Let's just purpose in our hearts to pray that this virus and this pandemic would come to an end and that the grace of God would cover our land. This is Bill Vanderbush from all of us here at Faith Mountain Ministries. Until next time, may the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.